0: Welcome back to Pushing the A Here with chapter 30 Which will hopefully be a little A little shorter Starting with Little Anderson Pack Malibu Which isn't really a affl- I mean I guess there's a little Hollywood section in this chapter But Maybe if you believe that the uh... There's a movie Certainly saw it where Um it was like a Wes Anderson, something or the other, where the actors were communist agents. So maybe, maybe if that's your thing. Should we get to some A-Push? I'll get to some A-Push. Speaking of communism, the Bolsheviks uh, take over Russia in 1917. Um, also 1917, the United States has its first... Real red blood communists. Um so there's this big fear of communists in the country. Um people are blaming the Bolsheviks for their labor problems. Um there's a general strike in Seattle, so the mayor says Russia needs to stop it. This is what is called the Red Scare. It kicks off a crusade against the left wing. Um the Attorney General A. Parker, don't know his first name really, just know the initial Called the Fighting Quaker, um, employs a ship-or-shoot mentality regarding communists, um, either deport them or kill them. basically. Uh, his house is bombed, which leads to some more activity on that front. Wall Street is bombed, which leads to a lot more activity on that front. Um, it also leads to the criminal syndicalism laws, um, which basically says that advocating violence to achieve your political goals is illegal, um... So the international workers of the world are prosecuted. The socialists are prosecuted. Um, conservative businesses are like, hell us yes, an excuse to break some strikes. Um, and they also use this against unions. And plans that are anti-union are called American plans. Um, quick note, the book on this next session calls it something like the hooded hoodlums of the KKK, which to me sounds like humanizing the Nazis. Um, continuing on. The KKK makes a nice little resurgence in the 1920s. They're nativists, they're anti-foreign, Catholic, black. Basically, if you're a non-WASP capitalist, we will come after you. By we, I mean the KKK. I am not a member of the KKK, let me make this very clear. Um, They're ultra-conservative. It's mainly white Protestants. They spread really rapidly through the Midwest and the South. They have 5 million members, and it's like a group and a club and a family, and there's a grand wizard. Is it Dungeons and Dragons? No, it's lynching black people. Um, it's really bad. They eventually collapse um, into obscurity. Um, not before Congress investigates them, and nothing comes of it. They say that lynching is legal, actually, because they care about the Southern vote and not black people, which is great. Um, speaking of immigrants, in 1920 to 21, about 800,000 immigrants, mainly from southern and eastern Europe, come in. Um, which leads to the Emergency Quota Act of 1921. Um, or I don't know, there's no year. Um, which basically says that only three percent of the people of a nationality that are already in the U.S can come in per year, which favors the South and East of Europe drastically. And then the Immigration Act of 1924 lowers it to 2% and puts it on 1890 standards, which means there are fewer Europeans immigrating back then. Uh, so the South and the East of Europe are very angry. Um, they ban the Japanese completely, which leads to some riots and suicide. The only countries that are not feeling the not feeling the brunt of this are Latin American countries and Canada. Um, come 1931, more people are actually leaving than coming, and this tradition of unov unregulated immigrant, and unregulated immigration in America being a place, bring me, your poor, you're tired, you're something, something, something. Um, in the 1800s, though, about 35 million Europeans did enter the country, which led to the societal disconnect with ethnic groups, so Italians and Jewish people and Poles, um, there's no common language. So labor efforts are hurt. Um, businesses are able to use it against it. But there are these two prevailing ideas that come out of all this. So one is, these two prevailing ideas that are pro-immigrant. One is, um, America's a smelting pot and all these people are going to come together and we're going to make this one big, great, beautiful American race uh, that's intertwined and all over the place and people aren't going to know where they were really from and it's going to be okay because they're American. Which is sort of, I think a pretty accurate description of what's happened today. If you subscribe to that sort of idea. Um, the other idea is this plurality where, uh, people are going to come to America as a place where they can practice their ethnic religions and still be part of the country. So ethnic traditions, not religions per se. Um, so both very interesting ideas. Um, 1920s were a rough time for progressivism. Um, because it was just a lot of letting everything run free and not a lot of pro-huddled masses sentiment. Um, huddled masses, that was the term. Um, the progressives need prohibition as one of their own things to survive. So in 1919, the 18th Amendment, 15th time I've said that today, um, is instilled the Volstead Act, enforces it. South of the West are happy because in the South, it means that black people aren't going to be drinking and... In the West, people are happy because there are no saloons, but in the East, people love their bars, and the tavern life. Is, the tavern lifestyle is a real lifestyle, um, so everyone has this one big party before it's over, but the government seems to love to do this, and they realize that you can never enforce a law that people are vastly against, um, and also it's taking this not innocent act, but certainly not this wretched act, and turning it into a crime, Um and so, an extreme response follows where people are saying drinking is liberty, so it's violated on a large scale. Um, the rich tended to act dry in their high-class public settings, um, and then when they got to their homes, they would go and drink some whiskey or some, you know, expensive alcohol. The poor people, though, cannot get their cheap beer that they really liked, um... Some bootleg alcohol, not a lot of enforcement, except for the really overzealous people and over-enforcers. Um, there are these speakeasies that bring in this high-content liquor from the West Indies in Canada. Some people make home and gin, which does kill you occasionally, but you get a nice buzz. Um... Prohibition did do its job, though, in that savings went up, generally. Um, Fewer people are dying of accidents in the workplace. Absenteeism is going down. Um, Relations with Canada also, oddly, not doing too well at the time. So prohibition leads to crimes. Crimes lead to bribery. Bribery leads to gangs. Gangs lead to other gangs, all of whom are fighting for a monopoly on the alcohol market, which is illegal at the time. Um in the nineteen twenties, in Chicago, about five hundred mobsters are died. No one is punished are died. Editor of the newspaper um are killed. No one's punished for. It. Al Capone is the mobster's mobster. Six years of warfare, made millions of dollars, had his nice armored car driving through Chicago. Goes to jail not for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but for tax evasion. Um, Gangsters also are doing some expanding of business at the time. So they're going into prostitution and drugs and all that good stuff. Um, Merchants have to pay gangs protection, pay for protection. Um, Bracketeers come into unions um, to sort of protect the unions or... For students to pay up um, Gangsters are a 12 billion dollar business um, And they also come up with idea of kidnapping for ransom um, They take the son of Charles Lindbergh Who you'll hear more about later uh, They eventually kill him And interstate abduction becomes a crime worth the death penalty You can't go forward without going backwards In this case we're going way backwards um, In the 20s Education was improving, 16 to 18 is the age where most people are finishing school. One in four 17-year-olds are going to finish high school in that time. John Dewey at Columbia, setting the academic principles of time, which is learning by doing. He's bringing the workbench into the classroom. Um, there's science in the classroom. There's public health education from the Rockefeller Foundation that's ended hookworm. Um, there's better nutrition, life expectancy is up. And then fundamentalists come around in the Bible Belt, um, which is the Tennessee-ish Arkansas, whatever area, and they say Darwinism and jazz are killing God. I thought it was going to be the four billion year lifespan myself. Um, and so they pass these laws to say, you cannot teach evolution in Tennessee in these two other states of the Bible Belt. A high school bio teacher defies this. Um, a well-known lawyer defends him. William Jennings Bryan, three-time failed Democratic nominee for president, is the prosecutor, dies of a stroke five days, five days after. He technically wins. It's a hollow victory. The fine set aside. No one really remembers it. They just remember that um, fundamentalism is insane. But the Churches of Christ and the Baptist Church um, are holding on to this idea of fundamentalism. So post nineteen twenty, twenty one. there's a little baby recession. Um, Mellon, who is the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, builds a tax that favors capital investment. Uh, so there's also this boom of cheap oil. So suddenly all of these new machines are coming in with all this new prosperity um, and investment. So productivity is up. Electricity comes. business, the auto industry comes up. So no longer is the issue, can we make enough of it? It's now, are there enough people to buy it? Which leads to advertising it, which leads to the first idea of you aren't good enough because your stuff isn't good enough. Um, Barton, can't, Bruce Barton, uh, who's on Madison Avenue, writes a book basically stating cheese is an ad man. Sports are prevalent at the time. Um, Babe Bambino, Bambino, the the great Bambino Babe Ruth, Boston Red Sox legend that was then trade to the New York Yankees and did some other things, Um, makes baseball very popular. Jack Dempsey gets a million people in a place to go watch a boxing match. Um, People are buying a lot of things on credit, so you can buy your fridge on credit now. You can buy your car on credit now. You can buy basically anything you want. On credit now, which isn't going to come back to bite anyone at all. Um, there's also been a mini-industrial revolution that's sort of been chugging along through time. The assembly line is improving. The gas engine is being imported from Europe with the ideas of Olds and Henry Ford in the U.S. Detroit is becoming this motor city where autos are being mass-produced. And Ford comes up with his Model T, which is a cheap, reliable car. Um, in 1910, there's 60. 64. 69 car companies um they're making about 181 car 181,000 cars a year fred taylor um is a person that goes factory to factory and teaches people to save energy and save movement um and then the model t which is this reliable standardized cheap car gets Ford crazy money for still remains really ignorant and racist um but the assembly line becomes the becomes the Bible of mass production of autos. Um, in nineteen fourteen, about five hundred thousand Model Ts exist. Come nineteen thirty, there are twenty million um, Model Ts, and in nineteen twenty six, there are twenty six million cars. So there's about one car for every four point nine people in the country. So the car industry employs about six million people, and then empo- and boosts the economy, but also there's these sub-industries, so rubber and fabrics and infrastructure for the cars to drive on all need to be built. Um, and so with all this stuff coming and all the money that people are being paid to build all the stuff, the standard of living goes up. Um, petroleum in California and Texas and Oklahoma is found. People are drilling wherever and whenever they want. Drill, baby, drill. The railroad industry is hit hard by buses and trucks. Um, and people are now marketing perishable food because I can drive to the market, get your perishable food, come home before it rots. There are also these outlying farms that were sort of disconnected from this new urban world and now these new roads and these cars, um, the new roads being built from the gas taxes can now be connected to the rest of the world. Cars are quickly becoming a necessity because the world is connected via this big road network. So everyone's taking out loans to buy their car. Um, Cars beget freedom and independence and equality. Um, Women are less sort of, Isolated um, and trapped. Commuting becomes a thing. People don't just live in the city anymore to work in the city. Thousands of people also die because no one knows how to drive yet. Um, And by no one knows how to drive yet, I mean just no one cares about road safety yet. About a million people die in accidents by 1951. Also, home life um, takes a hit. The, The morals of the youths drastically... Decrease because no one knows what you could be doing in the backseat of that Model T, honey. I want you home by 11 p.m. Um, was something that the book talked about. Gas power is on the rise here. Um, so here come planes. So the Wright brothers are the first ones to do it in North Carolina. 12 seconds, 120 feet in the air. Uh, there are also all these stunt flyers who die as martyrs for the airlines or not the airlines, but aircraft. Um, Passenger lines come around In 1927 Lindbergh crosses the Atlantic To Europe Wins $25,000 Gets um, A lot of international fame And is called Lucky Lindy And is a hero And it only took him 35 hours The first cross-country flight New York to San Francisco Is um, commercially established Flying is dramatized And it's popular And it's a way to express Your American spirit Accidents are very prevalent at the beginning, but the 30s and 40s less so. Another big hit for the railroads. There's a new weapon for everyone to use. Um, It changes this idea of isolation, because now when you can cross the Atlantic in just 33 hours, you really don't have to be concerned about it, or you really can't consider yourself isolated. Um, The Atlantic has shrunk, and everything is just moving faster radio um the first wireless telegraphy telegraphy was in the 1890s in world War one the first long-range commuter telephone something first long-range communication 1920 um the first voice carrying radio was established and kdka pittsburgh broadcasts uh election results so from all this come these transatlantic radio phones and the television and the transatlantic phonographs. Um, Radio eventually goes long range and come these national networks uh, to make national programming and put in commercials, but also it unites the nation and it makes the American accent more standardized and people are more connected to sports and education. Politicians change the way they speak. Music eventually comes on the radio. And as the car is driving everyone out of the house, it is a reason to stay at home with the family. Speaking of reasons to stay at home with family, Hollywood... Um, in 1903, The Great Train Robbery premieres in Nickelodeons in 1915. There's a film about the KKK, The Birth of a Nation, the South Loves It, African Americans are Angry. Hollywood then takes over the film industry, sort of gets rid of the nudity, starts censoring things. Um, in World War One, you see all this anti-German propaganda. The Jazz Singer is the first hockey film. Um, color Film follows it later. Movies are on the rise, they are stars, they're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're vulgar, some of these movies are vulgar, but it gets all these sort of children of ethnic immigrants into the community uh, and talking to each other and interacting, and it will sort of set the basis for this economic and political coalition that will take place built off of those groups in the future. Um... By 1920, it is a majority urban country in the United States. Women are getting these low-paying jobs. Um, advocating for birth control, Margaret Sanger is advocating for contraception. Alice Paul wants an equal rights amendment. The book says, and I quote, It was sex o'clock in America, and if you've never felt more like throwing your American passion out the window, I don't blame you. Um, sex is selling, though. Flappers are expressing their independence by dressing up and having fun. They're wearing these scandalous one-piece swimsuits. Um, Freud explains that people who are oppressing sexual desires are hurting themselves. Jazz, which has sort of followed black people from the South in the Great Migration, um, is the soundtrack to all of this. So uh there's the St. Louis Blues, uh, from WC Handy. Uh Louis Armstrong popularizes a saxophone. Um There's even Paul Whiteman's jazz group for those people who don't like jazz performed by people who came up with jazz. Um, This idea of black pride comes into prominence. Uh, Harlem, about 120,000 people come in. There's this renaissance, Langston Hughes publishes his first volumes, which are titled The Weary Blues. Marcus Garvey leads the United Negro Improvement Association, which half sort of advocating for resettlement in Africa, which didn't really make sense to me at least, um, and half of it was supporting black business. Um, he was arrested, but he inspired about four million people, really improved the self-confidence of the African-American people. Um, let's see. The old genteel culture of novelists and cultural leaders is dying out. So there's this new generation from non-WASP families um, coming up with modernism, which is artistically daring and question convention and authority. Big leaders, a colonist for the Baltimore Sun, H. C. Meekin, um who writes about modern causes such as um anti-marriage and anti-patriotism. This new moral code is sort of instilled. Um, this side of paradise is a room is a room, a book that flappers love Gatsby comma. The great is written by F Scott Fitzgerald. Um, Theo Dreiser writes American tragedy. Hemingway comes in with his new, very concise writing style. Puritan is becoming an insult. Um, the other books of the time, the sun also rises, a Farewell to arms cover war and realism. Um, That's Hemingway. Those are Hemingway's book. He wins the Nobel Prize and eventually commits suicide. Um, This lost generation of poets and writers from the war um, sort of go to Europe to learn the ways of literature. Uh, They go to Gertrude Stein's place in Paris, who is the originator of this idea of stream of conscience writing. She hosts them all in their Paris, her Paris salon. Um... Other people like Hummer Pound and T.S. Eliot, they mess with the norms and write in this very international style. E.E. E. Cummings is writing fiction and changing the game. Robert Frost and Carl Sandberg, if you're a little more traditionalist. Um, Sinclair Lewis is writing about Minnesota. Sherman? Sherland? Someone is writing about Ohio. William Faulkner is writing The Sound of the Fury and As I Like Dying. There are also these composers. Um, so the first musical comes around. The playwrights are coming. Eugene O'Neill is the first great American playwright, writes um, strange interlude. Everyone's living in the village. The Harlem Renaissance is happening. Dialect poetry is happening. It's all very exciting. Moving back to economics. Um, there are still about hundreds of banks failing every year. Um, real estate is being speculated upon wildly. People are buying underwater lots in Florida. It's a boom-bust sort of... Atmosphere where people are buying stocks on the market and they're insider trading and people are worshipping the market and they're thinking this is great. Um, people are also buying stocks on credit um, and so debt, the national debt's at 23 billion dollars. The Republican Congress says, okay, let's divert the surplus. Um, the bureau. They also establish a bureau of budget, a budget bureau, which sort of helps with receipts um, and reorganizes the budget. And then Mellon goes about – Mellon, the secretary of the treasury, goes about removing these war taxes um, because he says this is anti-trickle-down economics. It's not called that yet, but that is the general the- thesis. Um and between 1921 and 2060 cuts, the profit tax, the gift tax, the excise tax, the income tax, the estate tax, the sur-tax. Um People with a $1 million income, they would have been taxed $660 million before. They're only taxed $220,000, $660,000 before. They're only being taxed $220,000 before. Middle classes hit hard. Um, debt is down by about $10 billion, but they could have done a lot more for removing the debt but they were just sort of saying it's fine because it's helping business but in reality if they had taxed more there would have been less speculation and the whole system might have crashed in a few years spoiler alert the system crashes Pushing the A is brought to you by Elmer's All-Purpose Glue Stick. For when you need a glue stick that helps you with multiple purposes. The Ceramics Bible. For when you need a new God to pray to. By, I can't believe I'm saying this, Gray Eisler. Because he requested a shout out and that's something we do now. by the Ravensburger 3D puzzle of the Empire State Building that remains unopened to this day, despite being from four years ago. If you're still listening, you're probably wondering when the chapter in the chapter of period review will be out. That's a tomorrow night project. should be out Monday night in time for all you cool cats to listen to it once before you sit down for Maureen's lovely test. I'm going to let the zombies play us out here. This has been Pushing the A.